this isn't the first woman he's done this to or taken advantage of, and it just twists and turns and twists and turns, and it's very good, very well done. Um, Connie Britton plays the the lead. She's the the woman in the couple. Eric Bana is the man. Dirty John. Uh, Unbelievable is about a uh, serial rapist, sort of. But it's mostly told from the point of view of um, one of his victims, which is played by Caitlin Deaver. In fact, the whole first episode is her. You don't see any of the other real cast members for a while. Um, her, she, she is raped. She reports the rape. Um, she isn't believed. Uh, she changes her story a couple of times and ends up getting sued by the police department for filing a false report. And then later in a, in a, in a County over or two, um, there's another couple of rapes that these two female detectives happen to figure out are kind of the same MO and might be a serial rapist. And they, eventually discover that all three of these rapes are the same perpetrator. And so Caitlin Deaver's character was telling the truth all along. Um, the two detectives are played by Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver from nurse Jackie and Merritt Weaver kind of becomes the star of the show. Um, after it gets, kind of ramped up and going. In fact, Tony Collette, I don't think shows up at all until like the end of the third episode. And it's a eight episode limited series. The first four episodes are, are very, uh, they, they, like I said, they focus a lot on Caitlin Deaver's story and her case. Um, especially in the first episode, it's just all about her. Um, and then the, the, next three episodes are kind of setting up how they figure out that these other two are connected and that there's probably more and there's probably more and they're going on. But once it gets to episode five and, and it's great all the way through, but once it gets to episode five, you can't stop watching it. It's so intense and it's just, just bulleting along, just steaming ahead um, the end of every episode from five on has like a cliffhanger or an aha moment. And like, you just gotta watch the end of it. So I, uh, I just out of curiosity, Dale, did you listen to the, this American life episode that the whole series was based on? I did not, but I knew See, that it I, was, they reran it about the same time that the um, show was coming out, which they do a lot when they have something yeah. gets blown up. Um, and I heard it first and I couldn't get past the first episode. Cause quite frankly, I kind of felt like they totally missed it, but I'm, I might check it out later, but I feel like the show is like, it, it does a really good job of being like, like everything is from these women's perspectives. Like it's all about the detectives and Caitlin Deaver's character. Um, it's not, it's not shot for like shock value. There's it's not shot for like, like you don't see naked bodies in it. it it's not that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, you know what it was about the, the podcast that felt off to you, 
but um i think it's just a really it's really a well done like a very um you know it's it's not necess- i wouldn't necessarily call it like a feminist thing but it's definitely like this female perspective on how like rape isn't treated seriously enough and the male detectives that are on because Caitlin Deaver's detectives that are assigned to her case are both men and they suck. And then we finally get these hero detectives in Merritt Weaver and, and Tony Collette. I mean, it just kind of felt like the portrayal of the, the central character that was not being listened to. I don't remember her name or anything, but it just felt a little different to me. And I don't think it helped that I felt like I kind of got the story from this American life. I didn't feel like sitting through eight episodes. So that might have been part of it. Yeah, I think there was also some kind of like news article or magazine article that was heavily involved in the show, like that they used as kind of the basis for the show, uh, more so than the podcasts. Um, oh, actually, you know, you might be right. I think it was like a Rolling Stone article or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, I never read that, so. But yeah, Marie Adler is the name of the character that Caitlin Deaver plays. I don't know if they changed that for the show. Like they just, you know, made made her change the names basically to not, uh, not bring more attention to rape survivors that probably don't want the attention. But um, but that's that's her name on the show anyway. Um, but I liked both of those series a lot. Um, and I'll probably watch the second season of uh, of Dirty John at some point as well. So that was it for me. How about you guys? So I tried to watch a movie called Arkansas. That uh, is god awful. I made it about a half hour into it, maybe forty five minutes, and uh, just couldn't continue. It's it's new this year. Liam Hemsworth, John Malkovich, Michael K. Williams, Vince Vaughn. Clark Duke. It's got just a ton of actors in it, but it is it's a Tarantino knockoff that came about Ew. 20 years too late for a Tarantino knockoff. Yeah. Um <laughs> everybody's name is Frog or Almond or uh <laughs> they're all proper nouns. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Anyway, uh for a movie I actually got through and enjoyed, um I have a friend who's who's recommending these really uh, obscure movies to me lately um and i watched one called street smart from 1987 does anyone know this movie no no it's uh, morgan freeman uh christopher reeve uh, mimi rogers in it it's a canon movie from 87 um and the premise is that uh christopher reeve is a uh reporter who uh, has promised his boss an article about a pimp. Like, I will get you the inside story of life with a pimp in New York City oh, in 1987. Yeah. And he, yeah, he makes it up. He can't find anybody to talk to him, so he just makes up a story and prints it. And somehow a criminal attorney believes that the article is about his client, Morgan Freeman, who just murdered a dude. And it becomes like a weird constitutional, like, will he turn over his notes that don't exist? Or will Morgan Freeman murder everyone he knows and get him to try to, like, make an alibi for him? Um, it's uh, it's a really weird, weird movie, and I liked it a lot. Um, I, feel like so. that, <laughs> I feel like that came up uh, at some point. Um, was it maybe, like... 
the movie he did right after Superman four. Oh, it was the same year as Superman. It, I 4. would be surprised because it was the same year as Superman yeah. four. Same production company, yeah. So that makes sense. I f- yeah, I feel like we might have looked at it as a potential uh, movie to riff, uh, just based on how insane ah. the premise is. Um, we did end up doing Superman mm-hmm. four uh, for Comic Con one year, <laughs> but uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh, I was gonna say the director though. If anybody's seen a Pacino Gene Hackman movie from the seventies called Scarecrow, it's oh, the yeah. same director and Panic in Needle Park, same director. So he's a really good Jerry I mean, Schatzberg. Um, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, check it out. It's on Tubi if you want to watch it. Oh, Tubi or not Tubi. <laughs> Alicia, how about you? Well, uh, I watched a movie this week that I really didn't know anything about beyond the fact it was a Martin Scorsese movie, and it was called After Hours. And uh, it's from 1985, and I'm trying to remember, I've been sitting here trying to remember the name of the lead. I mean, it's got tons of other people. Thank you, because I was like, I think American Werewolf in London or something like that I remembered him from, but that was it. And um, but it's got like Catherine O'Hara in it, and uh, I think it's Rosanna Arquette, yep. and it's just got uh, I mean, even like John Hurd as a bartender, and you know, all the just little people pop up all the time. Terry Gar, who I always love seeing in movies from the 80s, so um, it was interesting. Like, I liked it, but I also felt like, and you know, and it's an early version of what I feel like has happened so many times since then, the movie of we go out to do one simple thing and everything goes wrong one after another all night long. So I feel like it's definitely a formula that we've seen many, many times. It's a really well done version of that and it's a little different because it's kind of more of a comedic turn for Martin Scorsese, but um, it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was kind of interesting to to watch and I liked, I, I love the Catherine O'Hara stuff and I liked how it started getting more and more absurd with a big posse of people with an ice cream truck <laughs> trying to hunt for this guy. Um, so that part I enjoyed, but you know, I, I you know, I, adventures and babysitting and date night and blind date. And it's like, I think of all these movies, yeah. just a cavalcade of movies that are all the same theme of, you know, just, a, it was going to be a simple night and then look what happened, you know, risky business to a degree, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting and definitely one I hadn't seen by him before. And you can say you've seen a Cheech and Chong movie. If you That's true. I know. As soon as they came, I tried not to look at the cast. I just kind of hit it, you know, and said, well, let's see what this is and play. And I didn't look at anything before I watched it. And I'm like, was that just Cheech and Chong with the van? And, you know, and of course, they're they're not talking in their standard Cheech and Chong manner, right? Which is part of what's kind of fun about it, too. And they're more like real people. But, but yeah, it took me a minute to go, I think Cheech and Chong just showed up. So, yeah, it's got an interesting cavalcade. Yeah, Tommy Chong is is billed as Thomas Chong in that movie. Yes. So it yes, was one of his more serious. serious roles. Very serious. That's right. <laughs> Nathan, how about you? Well, as she just mentioned, we did watch. Uh, I've been kind of slowly. I had stalled out for a while, but I had uh, pick, we picked up and watched another James Bond movie in the string of James Bond. Yep. So this one was uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, so I figured out The Spy Who Loved Me was Barbara Bach, apparently. Um, 
which was fine. Uh, I also watched Tokyo Story, which is one of those old black and white classic films that apparently you're supposed to see because you're if you're a film buff. I thought it was just all right. Um, I think more interesting to talk about this week, and Alicia also watched this uh, with me, was... Giant uh, boom. What the fuck? He's banged on the table a couple times. There's a glass table that we're sitting at here. That's that's the thing that does the noise. All right. (laughs) All right. It's it's not me, I swear. (laughs) Just letting you know. You want me to point it out. That's the third time. There it is. Okay. Really loud. All right. Sorry about that. So, uh... The uh, sh- we watched uh, Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft. Uh, Lovecraft. Yes. What did I say? Love. It sounded like love crap. Well, it, love but I cap. think we all knew it's what not you that meant. Bad, but okay. yeah, I was like, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's a show. You know, it's HBO, and this is following right on the heels of the massive success of Watchmen, which was fantastic. Um, I think it wants to be another Watchmen, but. It's just a little bit too Looney Tunes to really pull that off. I think it's got it. It it was on its way to Watchmen and started taking uh, shots of True Blood somewhere along the way, and so it's. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's got some potential, but I also have a think it's got potential to only last one season if it doesn't uh, straighten up. So So it was kind of Suki then. (laughs) Uh, But no Bill, unfortunately. mm. I mean, is it even based as, on uh, something? What's that now? Is it based on like a book or a? Well, in Lovecraft. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft. Well, but obviously. supposedly it is. It does say in the credits it's based on a book by another author who is not okay. Lovecraft. So I'm not. I couldn't remember who it was, but I we had noticed that when we were watching the credits. But it's very clearly set in a completely different time period than what Lovecraft was writing his stories in. So it's kind of like. A story based on the fact that Lovecraft might have actually happened shot later, you know. Okay. Um, and then, of course, the main cast is all African American, so they're trying to, and in some ways successfully pulling off, but in other ways not so much, uh, you know, I guess give it that gravitas that the Watchmen had so well. And it's, uh, Is Jordan Peele involved in that? Yes. Yeah, it's Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. Okay. Um, are the producers or whatever their role is. But um, I, I think it does have some merit. I mean, the very first episode tried to pull kind of a similar thing that the Watchmen did pull off, which was kind of talk about something that's kind of thrown under the rug right now mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, what it was like to be African-American during the time, which was to have uh, sundown towns yeah. where you couldn't be within the perimeters of the town if you were African-American or you could basically just let yourself be lynched. Right. Um, so they kind of brought that up as part of the main plot point of the first episode, which I thought was pretty good. But, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. It's, it's only two episodes in. It's got a lot of places it could go with it. I tend to like what HBO does overall, so I'm willing to give it a chance, especially if there's Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams involved. So we'll see. Well, Jordan there, Peele you know, also executive produced Lorena, which I talked about last week. So if, yeah. if you want I mean, to see, like a biopic that he did uh, series, you can watch mm-hmm. that because that's mm-hmm. actual interviews with the real people. It's not uh, dramatized. Yeah. I mean, I actually kind of liked true blood as loony as it got even towards the last season. It was at least popcorn loony. I mean, it was fun to watch and almost laugh at how bad it was, but um, we'll see. 
at True Blood, they just they dextered the hell out of that show. Well, <laughs> well, Alan, Alan Ball left. Yeah, and when he left, it all went to pot. Yeah, Aaron, how about you? Uh, I have recently picked up some horror movies that I've been watching. Uh, picked up Candyman one and two. Um, watched uh, on your suggestion the horror noir on Shutter, Shutter. yeah, which was fantastic. Um, I watched a movie the other day I hadn't seen before called The Beast Must Die which was a late 60s Peter Cushing movie. Um, has to do... It, it's basically the... Uh, if you've ever played the board game Werewolf, mm-hmm. uh, or the, the hidden role game right. Werewolf, it, it's that, the movie. Um, wow. And it, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, and that is pretty much all i've watched okay i haven't had much time for anything else well we watched a movie um we did um i watched it last night with hannah because she had seen me and you and everyone we know uh way back when we saw that and uh there are some very memorable things about that movie um so we decided to watch this one too uh joss suggested it um Alicia, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the future? Well, um, I didn't. I, I couldn't help but compare it to me and you and everyone we know. I didn't like it quite as well. Um, there are some really good moments where I thought they did some original things in filming it, and you know, like uh, where he's trying to stop his girlfriend from saying the big news. Uh, you know, mm. that she's basically been messing around. They kind of stop time, and he's talking to the moon, who kind of sounds like the you know interesting guy who needs a friend um you know i i i liked um you know like this the sweatshirt dance was interesting um there, there's things i thought were kind of cool things that they did but uh there were two things that i had a hard time with uh in it number one uh that cat just kind of freaked me out it just mm. made me sad every time that poor cat came on at, with the voice and you know and you know the cat's gonna die and you just feel awful. So, like, I, I had a really hard time. I understand why they did the cat, and it was a very interesting choice. I just couldn't step back from the cat, like, and just let the cat be. You know, I, I kept getting emotionally attached to this poor, made-up, you know, furry pod puppet, and that's it. So that I had a bit of an issue with. And the other thing, I think, that didn't help me really get into it as much is I just found the couple really boring. I, uh-huh. They, you know, they just weren't interesting to me as people, and I'm, I'm sure that's there's a lot to that very fact. But, but it didn't make me want to get um, as as emotionally attached to what was happening in the story, and uh, so th- there was a lot of thing. There were a lot of things I really liked about it, but I think those things kind of kept me from really loving it. What were the things you really liked about it? Well, like I was saying, kind of some of their choices about how they. Uh, would add some of these kind of random uh, bizarre elements to some of the scenes you've got the little girl 
that's digging a hole and then wants to be buried in it overnight. And okay, well, see you in the morning. Like what? Like what, you know, those kind of bizarre things. I liked, those were the best things about it that kind of took me out of that little mundane kind of thing that was going on were those things. And, and so I really enjoyed that. And so if it's just based on those kinds of choices through the movie, then yeah, I mean, I really liked the movie and what, what she did with that. Uh, I liked a lot of the music choices, things like that, but I just wasn't really loving the main characters. Aaron, how about you? It took me a while while watching this to figure out where I had seen the the female lead from, um, but I I had seen her previous film. Um, so I, this movie was incredibly strange, um, and, and I think really in a good way. Like Alicia said, the the couple was incredibly one note and boring like I, I I didn't care about anything that happened to them um, and there was a uh, there there were some good things about the movie like the way it was filmed was was really well done I one scene in particular that I absolutely love is... Uh, at the very end when they're in the apartment and he's uh, he, he tells her like one more night and then you have to go and he's sitting on the couch reading a book trying to not look at her at all and she's over there packing and they're they're not very far apart because of how tiny the apartment is um, but through the actions of the movies they're worlds apart and the song that was playing during that scene um it was the signal song (laughs) yeah and it, it was just that scene in particular was really well done but everything else about the movie like the the cat dying they telegraphed that at the very beginning like at the at the very beginning they were like if you come just like an hour late we're gonna kill this cat <laughs> right. and they just beat you over the head with this and you're like well yeah. that cat's days are numbered and well let's let's give the cat the most pathetic sad voice too about how hard this cat's life is god well so i i looked that up cat and it was played the, by miranda july yeah i yeah. know yeah. i know yeah. We should yeah. do this whole review in that cat's Pop voice oh all of us. yes would you i'll shut the whole thing Pop. off <laughs> I, I will i will end the domain name and everything this this <laughs> podcast will never have happened oh we've, we've hit critical mass it's done no don't do oh it oh my god it was it, it was just like there were there were some things that I, I could see where the story was going and the point that they were trying to hit but i don't they didn't do it in any manner that I would call an enjoyable time. Like, I hate myself for watching this movie. <laughs> like, wow. I, wow. I was just like, I could just walk out into traffic. But oh, it's... <laughs> it no, was, Papa, don't. It was... Yeah. It was depressing and beating down, and I was just like, man, I, I really don't want to watch this, but I have to. So you wish you were that cat. I, at the end, yes. I was like, oh, if the only. The cat's the only one with a happy ending. Oh, God. <laughs> right. It's true. 
You're right. Um, I don't know the the are the male character. I, I can't even think of his name right now. That should tell you everything. Jason. Uh, <laughs> he uh, the self realizations that he comes to throughout, like his um, his rant about global warming uh, at the at the end was was pretty good. Um, so like his, the progress he's made in life kind of signifies a good ending but i don't know all right well so i haven't seen it before so i'll i'll jump in here before nathan goes um i had seen me and you and everyone we know which is a a very very strange movie um it's it's interesting i think this movie was more um more cohesive and more together than that movie because this focuses on this couple as opposed to the like ensemble of people in me and you and everyone we know. Um, It also had something where the comedy was spread across the cast and across different character or, or across the characters in the movie rather than like, in in me and you and everyone we know, like there's one character that's always the funny character, and there's one character that's like always the depressing character. It, you, know, you don't have as many moments um, with of connection with everyone. Where where it's not very good is that um, Miranda July plays Miranda July, uh, Hamish Linklater plays Miranda July. The cat plays Miranda July. Um, everyone in this movie is basically the same level of weirdo. Um, so really only like the characters that, that aren't interested in buying trees are like the only normalcy that we have to hang on to. Um, even the people like at the dance studio were kind of weird. Um, and then you have moments that are funny. Uh, the seriousness with which they deal with things or with, they say this like ridiculous stuff. Um, the scene where they went into like the cat won't be ready for a month, but the, the day after we will euthanize the cat, like we're going to keep this cat until it's healed up and then we're going to kill it immediately. Um, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, so, it had that kind of stuff going for it. Here's what I know about Miranda July and what kind of informs my watching of her stuff is that she is a performance artist who does short films mostly. Um, this was her second long form attempt. This started out as a performance art piece and it grew into this movie. Um, and so you can see that there's sort of themes and there's ideas and there's that kind of thing, but if you really kind of break it down, there's there's not a whole lot of structure, and every scene is sort of disconnected from everything else that's going on. Um, Hannah made this observation that I thought was really smart, which was um, she thought she thought she figured out how he would uh, how he would successfully bring her back to the point in time that he stopped time which would have been a more interesting, I think, ending to the movie. 
which was, you know, he goes out to his car and his car is blocked because there's a car stopped in time next to his car. And Hannah was like, oh, well, he needs to get the charger out so we can play the song and get her back. But that doesn't happen. Instead, he goes and, like, plays with the waves and gets time to start up again just in time for them to miss getting the cat back. Um, And then he just kind of lets Miranda July spend one more night at the apartment. And, yeah, he has that, like, thing where he's, like, pretending to read, but then you see him, like, turn the page the other way. Like, he's not really focused on what he's looking at. Um, It's not a terrible movie. It's just not a movie. If that makes sense. It's, it's, it's performance art, a series of performance art pieces that are loosely connected to one another. Um, some work better than others, but as a whole, it is not better than the sum of its parts. It has like two or three, I think good sequences or funny sequences or interesting sequences. It has a couple of interesting ideas. And then it has just as many, if not more really irritating or really boring ideas and scenes and concepts. So, um, that was kind of where I fell on it. Nathan, how was it watching it again? Well, okay, so I'm going to meander a second here, and then I'll get back. Um, uh, I watch, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of the ones that I listen to quite a bit is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And it's a good podcast, uh, but inevitably, inevitably, almost every episode, it's two comedians talking to each other and talking about their craft and how they got there and whatnot. And it seems about every five to ten episodes or so, more than that maybe even, they get around to talking about comedians and artists in general that feel like self-flagellation is what they have to do in order to have art like they have to suffer for their art to become artists and i kind of feel like this is one of those things where the artist feels like they have to i mean it's it's sugar-coated with some like cutesy ideas going on in it like the cat thing and the pausing of people and some of those types of fun things that actually are kind of interesting ideas, but it's just depressing as shit. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I've seen this movie four or five different times in different ways. Uh, I'm going to throw out wiener dog. If you've ever seen that one by Todd Saldance or pretty much anything Todd Saldance has done. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Um, another one that uh, came to my mind was Your Friends and Neighbors. I don't remember who even directed that one, but it's an old Ben Stiller movie. Uh, Neil Butte. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of these indie movies where they kind of try to pull off this, like, tone that I think they see in other movies, and, and I, I think this is one of them. Um, and not all of them are very successful, and I think this is one that – it comes across like it, it tries to hit you really where you live, but at the same time, it's not very fun to watch, even though it wants to think it might be. Yeah. And I just, uh, yeah, I don't really feel like I need to see this again. I actually thought I had seen, I thought this was actually you yourself or whatever her other movie was. Me, you, and everyone. Me, you, and everyone else. I, and, and I had to go back and rewatch the trailer for that movie to recognize, oh, okay, that was that movie. Um, which we watched, and we also watched the full 
scene about the pooping back and forth. <laughs> um, that's the one. That's the pooping back and forth. That's that's forever, the memorable. Uh, that's the memorable part of that movie. Um, you know, that one was probably a little better, but it's pretty unforgettable. Aside from that, I, I don't remember much else about it. Um, but there's a reason you don't. I mean, yeah, it's so it's got the same issue. Um, I mean, anybody who really liked this or wanted to watch this movie but didn't know what they were getting into, I would actually redirect them and tell them to watch something like Happy Go Lucky, which I thought was a little bit better spin on the same thing, but actually came across more positive um, if you've never seen that yeah, one. Yeah, I feel like the core of her idea or or one of the many ideas that's explored in this was about the the pressure of being a short film creator, especially on YouTube where the tool that you are using to do your job is also the greatest time waster in the history of the world. And so it's really hard to focus and, and get something done. And so she does this really smart thing for her, which is she turns off the internet so that she can focus on her project and then realizes that she has nothing to say. Like, I think that's the sort of the sort of kernel of the idea of the movie is that if you, if you actually turn off all your outside, uh, 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 duties and distractions, distractions, you know, you don't go to work, you don't get lost on the internet. You're, you're not, caught up in everything else and you you say i'm going to take the next 30 days to just do my thing um you're going to immediately become depressed because those things aren't actually stopping you from doing any of that well from a, a slightly wider scope i mean it, i think it's kind of about i'm gonna, I'm going to call it an early life crisis instead of a mid midlife crisis it's about that that period you hit when you're in like your late 20s and you thought you were going to conquer the world and then you realize you aren't going to conquer the world and you're just getting old now. Right. Um, which maybe at this stage, like when I watched it like eight years ago, nine years ago when it was in the theater, I might have connected with that a little bit more at the time. I didn't connect with it at all now. So yeah. maybe that's a thing. Well, Josh. Yeah. What the hell, man? What the hell, Why man? would you do this? Uh, <laughs> okay, so first off, in my defense, um, I have uh, I've your never honor, seen your you honor, mean, if I may, if I may approach the bench, your honor. Um, yeah, I, I've never seen you, me, and everyone we know, so I didn't have that to compare this to. Uh, like a lot of things in my life, I hear something is really good, and then I catch the next thing somebody does. So like, oh, that Strokes album's great. And I'm like, all right, I'll buy their next one. But I never hear the one that's supposed to be great, you know? Um, so this uh, was one of those instances in my life where I was like, oh, okay. I hear Miranda July is really good. Let me check out what all the noise is about. Um, so... Yes, uh, I'm hearing everybody, and I understand everybody's uh, uh, issues with it. Um, I know these people, like not those actual oh, yeah. people, but absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been in that apartment. I've been in those people's houses where there's no design aesthetic. I mean, it's just they've cobbled together a life together just out of bits and pieces. This is and, most um, like twenty something yeah. white people in Los Angeles. 
Yeah, late twenties, early thirties, like that kind of uh, feeling. And that's I was about yeah, I was in my early thirties when I saw it. So um I felt like uh I was like, Yeah, okay. I know I luckily I'm not one of these people, but I've seen these people. Um and uh again, like one of my friends was going through the exact same thing. Like she was cheating on her boyfriend with like a married or a, an older dude and everything. Um, just making kind of questionable decisions um, all the way around. And uh, I sympathized with um, is there uh, really Hamish Linklater's. Is there really? And there was, if you notice. <laughs> yeah, there was. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Of course he wasn't there was. Lying. Of course there was. You know, you got to bring the ice cream if you want to keep the girl. Hey, um, that, that's what being grown up is all about. Getting ice cream any damn time you want. And having it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ready when you have a... a guest over um but uh <laughs> separate from what separate from what your daughter is is able to have like this uh, isn't yes, this exactly. isn't household ice cream no, this no, is no. daddy's ice cream oh <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. i didn't mean it like that <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. wow wow well, i'm geez, Alicia. that's tough Ew. that was tough god anyway uh yeah so uh Hamish Linklater though that just getting stuck in that moment like uh you know I lived the literal version I mean the metaphorical version of that before um where you just can't extract yourself from that one like if I had just done something different in that one minute could I have changed anything mm-hmm. and uh so that that hit me closer to home than I guess uh it did for a lot of people um, oh I got it I got that and and, yeah, and, yeah. and the the realization that like when the moon finally tells him like well no time stopped for you you yeah but it's no, everybody else it's has been like on. a week like yeah yeah and you're still living in that room when you get like to, when jerk. you get time yeah. back she's gonna be gone she's not gonna right. stand up and talk to you again exactly yeah um so yeah watching it this time I didn't like it as much as I did the first time but the first time. I did enjoy it uh, more than I think you guys did. Um, it, I thought, I still thought it was funny though. I laughed many times. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's that I don't, maybe the weird, uh, dry sense of humor. I don't know what it is, um, but uh, yeah, it, it cracked me up uh, quite a bit. This ridiculous time too. thing said with a very straight face. Exactly. Yeah, the naked gun syndrome. You know, sort of, yeah. but uh, in a straight face comedy. Um, but yeah, I again, yeah, like you, like um, Nathan was saying, very much a early life, early to midlife crisis movie, and um, uh, in that way, I related to it, and probably still can more than I want to admit, I guess. But uh, yeah, but all you people who have wives and kids and happy lives, I'm glad you moved on enough to where this movie doesn't mean anything. So, to you, so, so did <laughs> did Hamish Linklater play Miranda July better, or did Miranda July play Miranda July? <laughs> better? Well, see, that's the thing. Like Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, all of their characters yeah. play the same person mm-hmm. too. So I don't have a problem with that per se. You know, um, yeah, but Hamish. I, I like Hamish Linklater. I'm kind of in the bag for him as an actor. So uh, I liked him more uh, in the movie uh, than her. But um, she's a good actress. I think she's a better director and a better writer probably than she is an actress. But So what else has Hamish Linklater been in? 
if uh, there's a little show on FX called Legion that oh, uh, yeah. is pretty okay. uh, great. Yeah, I've heard I it's really, really like good. Him. Yeah, I like him in that a lot. Um, and I've seen him in a few other movies. He was in the Big Short. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think it's one of those now retroactively. If I when I watch those again, I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's Hamish or something. It's that like guy exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it was kind of funny when we watched the trailer for Me, You, and Everyone Else We Know. There's the kids in that movie, and one of those kids looks a whole hell of a lot like him. Hairdo and everything. Oh. And I had to, like, scratch my head and go, no, that's not the same guy. <laughs> Age doesn't work. There's no way that works. <laughs> I kept wondering if he was related to Richard Linklater, but uh, I guess probably not. No, I don't think so. I, I love I love everyone completely botching the name of me and you and everyone we know like just throwing <laughs> random pronouns out there he him she they were like <laughs> we're very inclusive in this podcast yeah <laughs> anyway that's it that's all I had to say about um. yeah I just um I, I'm not a fan of performance art in general um doesn't do anything for me um and this this is a movie where like it's it feels like it like there's probably enough good ideas in here for like a 25 minute short i think i think there's a really solid 25 minutes in here um or at least a 25 minute uh script that could convey most of what this movie is trying to convey um but it's also something where like you know i can see where this wouldn't work as a play it wouldn't work as well as a performance art piece um i think a lot of the sort of holdovers from it being rooted in that background are how like i've said everyone is miranda july because she was everyone in the performance art version of it. Um, so I think that's where like a co-writer or um, another director even might have kind of um, solidified some of this a little bit better than just kind of letting it be there and be weird. Um, the stuff like um, I, I, I don't understand the whole like, <laughs> the whole shirty thing um <laughs> like her like security blanket that like ends up being able to teach her to dance and then mm. the guy just being like well that was a thing and walking away <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i felt too it's like i i want like a meme of like a gif of that guy just like and walking away that says <laughs> the correct response <laughs> what well, Speaking to what you were just saying, though, actually, um, about the script, um, I watched an interview with her uh, after I watched the movie, and she was saying, somebody asked her, like, do you let your people improvise mm -hmm. at all? Uh, and she was like, no, not at oh, all. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can it's got to be the script. Yeah. <laughs> Which she probably should have let Hamish a little bit, because, you know, I think he's got some skills if you let him off the leash a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, too, that, like, they could have... Um, like I think involving more people and not having it be just so singularly her vision, I think would have improved it. Like even even producers 
would have been helpful to this. But it's just so it's so unambiguously her at all times. Even when she's not on screen, it is just this this one specific vision. And um and yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't sustain itself. Oh fun fact, the one character that's not her, the old man, um he she met him by answering an ad in the paper and just decided to make him a character in the movie based on himself. Uh, so of course <laughs> that's just him. That's what he, how he talks and who he is. Yeah. And apparently he was allowed, he was the only one allowed to improvise lines. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the moon was not the same as that guy. The moon was, I was trying to figure that out. The, who, the who moon, was the moon. Oh no! The, actually, they were the same. He, he did play the okay. guy. I was going to say moon. they were the same Double guy. Credit somewhere. I feel like the moon sounded like it almost had like a like a East LA Cheech Marin accent going on. He talked a little slower. He was more in control than the spectrumy. Probably because he was hair, reading hair dryer repairman. But yeah, <laughs> probably because he was Random reading guy versus true making his stuff up. So yeah, yeah. Okay, now you're the moon. <laughs> Go, go. <laughs> well, I, I I have a limerick I wrote about the moon, and <laughs> moon came up, and uh, the seas became aroused, and then Mrs. Claus's titty came. And I out. offered the sea some ice cream at my place. <laughs> wow, fantastic! <laughs> yeah, there's don't that. you people ruin ice cream for me? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, uh. Aaron, it is your turn to suggest a movie. What would you like for us to watch for next time? So I've been going back and forth between two movies. Um, but I'm going to go with one that I, I really love this movie, and hopefully y'all Uh-oh. will too. Um, it's, it is called... I, it, you probably won't, especially Dale. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's called Byzantium. Okay. Uh, it's it's directed by Neil Jordan, who did like Interview with a Vampire, and uh, gosh, he, he he did a ton of movies, and none of which I can think of right now. Uh, Shorty Ronan. No. He did Greta a couple years ago. Um, Byzantium has uh, Shorty Ronan. Yep. Hmm. And Sersha, uh, Gemma Arterton. Me and Sorsha and, and everyone Sorsha's Sorsha's. Yep, yep, I was waiting for that. Byzantium and... Sorsha Rogan. Have you I, ever I really been outside? It's, uh, oh, God. It's just all go for it. So... Uh, <laughs> So you're looking forward to us all coming down on it. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Josh is going to be like, this is the worst movie that has ever existed. Like, of all the things you have done. I will give it a fair shake. That's right. That's important. Well, let's let's put this into perspective. Um, Just to to set some expectations for everyone. Um, Tonight's movie uh, that we just discussed, The Future, uh, had a $1 million budget. And it lost about $300,000 worldwide. Sounds about right. The movie that Aaron just suggested 
Uh-oh. Had a uh, a Great British Pounds budget of eight million British pounds, and its worldwide gross in U.S. dollars was eight hundred and twenty-eight thousand. Ouch! So that'll be interesting. <laughs> it's an undiscovered gem. It yeah. re- it really is. It really is. Yeah, I, I don't think you can take box office numbers and run for the bank with uh, quality on the movies. I'm I mean, setting expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I am not making a judgment call. This uh-huh. is the digital age, man. Uh, this movie came out in 2012, so... <laughs> I should have done Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Howard the Duck is just boring. Really That's really is. what it comes down to. It's it's boring and it's it's even creepier than Alicia's version of Daddy's ice cream. <laughs> I say I say we get like a like a threshold or something and say okay if we can get like five hundred likes or something or five star reviews on this podcast or something we do Howard the Duck. Wow. Yeah. Five hundred. Gonna... Can we get there? Uh... You would sell your soul for five hundred <laughs> likes. <laughs> you are cheap sir what i would do is is say if if you guys fail to to help us raise um up to uh 500 followers by the end of the year that i'm gonna make everyone watch antichrist i'm retweeting right now <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've already seen it i know when to look away it's like the whole the movie. Whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch Nymphomaniac and get even madder. Oh my god. Yeah. Because he reuses a bunch of stuff from Antichrist just to be a dick. <laughs> yep. Well, Nymphomaniac is like his whole career. Yeah. Kind of recapped, right? Yeah. Lars, we can't have nice things, Von Trier. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're, I do want to see about, Dogville, though. Which one? Oh, I like Dogville a lot. Yeah, I've never seen oh, it. It's, it's see very it. good, actually. Mm-hmm. That, that might be my favorite, actually, of his. I really like Dancer in the Dark. I know it's a oh, bummer, but I that's love Dancer in the Dark. That's I still anybody... like Breaking the Waves. Breaking the Waves is a... Yeah. I like, <laughs> I like Melancholia a lot, too. Melancholia is fantastic. Well, shit. Has anybody seen his newest movie, The House That Jack Built? No. It's a weird one. Yeah, I hear some good buzz from some creepy people about it, so I don't (laughs) know, like, if I should... Usually I agree with those creepy people, so I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch it. Well, I was kind of shocked. I was like, it stars Matt Dillon, and I'm like, what year is it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for discussing the future with me. Uh, We will see you on the next episode of the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.